This episode of the All About Nothing podcast is brought to you by GOT Sound Studio. GOT Sound Studio offers a variety of experiences, music, voice, and instrumental recording and production, video, and still photography. GOT Sound Studio has all of your media needs met. Owned and operated by Dominique Stewart, the Neek the Geek, experienced artists as well as up-and-coming will find everything they need to create. Bring your media needs to one of the most talented producers and engineers in the business, Neek the Geek. You can find details by visiting gotsoundstudio.com or calling 803-243-2302. You can also find links in the Friends of the Pod section of our website. Visit theallaboutnothing.com. The All About Nothing podcast may have content and language. That isn't appropriate for some. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the All About Nothing podcast. I am Barrett Gruber, and this week I'm joined by recently announced Democratic candidate for South Carolina State House District 26 and returning podcast champion, Matt Villardebo. Welcome, Matt. What's up, Barrett? Uh, I want to uh, admit something that uh, the first time you were on a podcast with us that uh, I pronounced your name incorrectly. Yes. Uh, I have practiced it. Uh, in fact, every time you send me a text message, that literally I will look at the phone and go, oh, it's Matt Villardebo. <laughs> Very, very good. So it's like I always tell people, it's pronounced just like it's spelled. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and I, I my, my phonetics is terrible. To be completely honest with you, I could you, I could screw up anything. You do good. You don't have that deep sweet tea accent. That's where people run into big trouble. They throw extra R's and Villar Villar bro. And I'm oh, like, oh wow, Lord. slow down. That's that. <laughs> yeah, that could get that could get potentially pretty messy. <laughs> all right, please subscribe to the show. Share it with all your friends. That's how we get new listeners. Also, please support us. Uh, please consider supporting us financially by visiting the theallaboutnothing.com. See, this is this is part of the issue. I have reading glasses back there, and I should be wearing them, uh, but uh, but I'm not, and uh, uh, that's where I'm going to make mistakes. So I'll try again. Please also consider supporting us financially by visiting theallaboutnothing.com and becoming an official member and proudly calling yourself a true nothinger. Have a bunch of tiers available so they give you early access and uh, access to exclusive content. Also, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts and you think we're worth it, go ahead and give us a review and drop us five stars. If you're not on Apple Podcasts, you can give us a review where you can. Share the episode with your family or friends. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook and interact. Just search for The All About Nothing Podcast or visit our website or for links, theallaboutnothing.com. Uh, do have uh, just a few shout-outs. Uh, thank you to Mayor of the Town of Blythewood, the Honorable Mayor Sloan Griffin III, as well as re-elected Council Member Donald Brock. Truly uh, enjoyed sitting down with them. I, I, I think that, uh, and actually I found out a little bit, a uh, tidbit of information. Um, uh, Bill Kimmler messaged me and said, Hey, just so you know, uh, Sloan Griffin's father, Sloan Griffin, the second, uh, lives in Greenwood. Oh, wow. So, uh, that was, uh, that was an interesting tie in. So I Bill told him, always with the nuggets oh of information, gosh. never Bill, ending source of nuggets. Bill knows Mr. Kimmler. So much useless information. Uh, I don't know about useless. I'm not going to disparage Bill. He puts videos out when you disparage him. And that's true. I, I don't want to be true. on the receiving end of Bill's wrath. Bill, I sincerely apologize. <laughs> I uh, that was cry not Eagles cry. <laughs> said a, a true uh, Buccaneers fan. <laughs> uh, as well, I want to thank Carrie and Zach of the podcast. What the pod was that? A me of the podcast. Welcome to Wonderland. And Micah, our dungeon master for our latest adventure that continues to move us along. Uh, this is our Dungeons and, and Podcast series. We have four episodes, and, and, and we're going to be recording uh, a brand new set of episodes coming up very soon. Um, I'm actually hoping next weekend 
because I'd like to get them all out of the way. Um, but uh, we just released the fourth episode, and uh, it ends in a pretty major cliffhanger. Oh, boy. So uh, if you're a Dungeons & Dragons fan, you should listen to That's all of those episodes. 12-sided die rolls. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Zach, what's crazy, so I don't, I don't, I think we had it at the uh, Columbia Comic Con, but Zach actually 3D pen- printed a giant die 20 or okay. 20 die that, uh, that, before the before it all started, before the the Comic Con started, we were taking it and rolling it on the floor, and whoever rolled a higher number won. But uh, there you go. I was surprised that it Playing didn't break. Dice with yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so season two, we're going to start recording that here very soon. Uh, lastly, I want to congratulate John Kosas Jr. of the Columbia Fireflies for his book signing back on December seventh. It was really cool to see. Uh, he got a bunch of people to turn out. That's great. Uh, all good books on Harden Street and. Uh, the people who showed up uh, got to ask him questions. John got to tell us about how, uh, why he decided to write a book and, and how all that came about, as well as interacting with some of the people that contributed to the book. So that was, uh, that was really, really cool. I love when you have him on because yeah. I love baseball. Yeah. So anytime somebody like comes and gives you something more than just oh, like, yeah. you know, strikes and outs and pitches, and they kind of give you some of that richer history yeah. and some of that more insightful baseball knowledge. Well, because baseball's been around forever, and it's like you know the purest American sport, I would say. Braves just relatively untouched. Yeah, the Braves just celebrated their 150th anniversary. You yeah. know, between between uh, Massachusetts and Boston, and over to Milwaukee, and then Atlanta. Uh, so they've they they that was their. They, I think I think it was. Uh, 1870 72 or 73 or whatever was their initial start and then you know and now 150 years later so go braves sorry that's all right uh (laughs) they good yeah uh so uh at this point i'd like to introduce uh now uh returning champion and (laughs) uh returning uh as a candidate yep for uh district 26 out of fort mill correct uh very exciting that you're doing this again uh and the potential that uh there could be a a larger bump since there is not an incumbent yeah so ray felder had had that seat when she's for 10 years now so when she finally completes her term in office she'll have held that seat for 12 years okay and uh oh that is good so she (laughs) She had a lot of like that easy support, you know, right. people coming in, voting straight party ticket. And she did do a lot. I'm not going to I would never detract from what she actually accomplished. She did a lot for Fort Mill, helped out Fort Mill a lot. But she had ah, it's hard. It, it was time for her to retire. We kind of saw the writing on the wall. And I know that she does, the Republicans won't have that strength of a built-in multi-year incumbent, right. which is what they kind of need to carry that easily. So I, I feel like that role be, comes into play big time now. So I know we're going to get Democrats excited. We're heading into a presidential election year, and that tends to bring out a lot of the folks who don't maybe vote like they should yeah. in those non-presidential years. So, so – um because it's just us this time, there's a better opportunity, I think, for you to talk about um, your background as far as what it is with your experience that makes you um, suitable to run for this seat and, 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 and win this seat. Yeah. So 
I'm not a typical politician in that I'm not an attorney or a businessman. And there's sure. nothing wrong with being an attorney or a businessman. But I'm more of an engineer. Uh, the work I do is very, like, data-driven. And we believe in principles like defect elimination, root cause analysis, continuous improvement. And so I bring that mentality to my approach to politics. And right now, in my current role, I'm a program manager. And what I look after these multi-million dollar capital budgets, and I oversee large maintenance modernization programs, essentially, at, law, at government facilities. Right now, I'm okay. working at Walter Reed Hospital up in Bethesda, Maryland. And so that sort of attention to detail, that ability to multitask, and the way I process information is more, let's get these facts together and find real solutions to fix problems. Um, I feel like we have an absence from that in politics in general today, sure. but certainly in this state. Yeah. Um, the Republicans have had you know this hegemonic control of the state for two decades, and year after year, they don't really get anything done. This could be the chance for them to seat... The Republicans is like the party in this state and achieve some real greatness. Make these roads as best as they can be. Yeah. Fix public – actually fix public education. It's getting worse every year now. Yeah. We're on the fifth year in a row of a teacher shortage. Yeah. Especially in the special education area. And Ellen Weaver hasn't fixed anything, has she? I, She's I, a year into the job. I cannot actually attribute – any anything to Ellen Weaver except for the strengthening of the Moms for Liberty group. Yep. Um, this idea that South Carolina is going to begin to ban books uh, specifically based on either their title or content. But the 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 thing that I keep seeing the most is I, I keep seeing lists of books that she wants to ban from our elementary schools that are not books that are currently available in any elementary school. So it's basically just lip work. It's, well, it's, somebody's feeding her information, and she's not even bothering to, like, check on right. what she's being fed. And, you know, I, w I do want to go back to the qualifications part, too. Sure. So the work stuff is great, and it shows, like, an ability to handle responsibilities. And I've had, like, a nice career that's seen me come up from a – uh, just a technician to an analyst to now I'm in program management. Yeah. And my bachelor's degree is in political science. I, I've managed to like work my way into an engineering career yeah. just off of effort and willingness to want to learn and, and grow. Yeah. But back home, I've been in Fort Mill since 2017 and I feel like I've done an excellent job of ingraining myself in the community and becoming somebody who demonstrates through my actions how important Fort Mill is to me. The big problem we have in Fort Mill is there's a lot of development going on and, and we can't keep up with it. So the roads are really bad. There's very few sidewalks. It's not a very walkable community. If you go even on something like Zillow, you'll see the walkability scores are very low for Fort Mill homes. Yeah. So uh, when you're a small town, that's not to me the kind of, small town you want to be where you if you wouldn't need to go anywhere you've got to drive yeah it's just baffling to me so i see these things happening and i feel like if i get involved in local politics maybe i can help bring this change about so i try and run for town council right doesn't work i really got crushed in that election too <laughs> but i 
got the ear of people. They liked what I had to say. They, they found me to be somebody who genuinely has some concern and care for the community, yeah, which is what it's all about for me. Nobody moved to Fort Mill to be in a developer's paradise. People moved to Fort Mill because they like that small town feel. And so this myth that, you know, only locals can govern there and, you know, it's kind of, you can't be an outsider and get elected or govern in Fort Mill. Yeah. And I, I don't, I feel like that's hogwash. We've grown so much, 128% population growth from census year to census year. So we're, we're, we're more people who aren't from there than are from there at this point. Yeah. And everybody deserves representation. And of the, I would say pretty much all those 128% move there to maintain that small town feel. So let's have some real representation from that population set. And I, again, I look at things different. I, the community isn't um, so sacred that you're not going to want to bring like real changes there. Yeah. And that's just kind of how. I've been able to get to where I'm at. I'm, I build relationships in the town. I show up. I do things. And I make myself available to people. Um, I'm always there. I mean, if there's a town event, you're going to find me at Yeah. It. No, I, I see the pictures. <laughs> I see the pictures. So uh, with that said, what was the what was the motivation to go ahead and run for State House again? Well, I got to admit, when I stopped, when the election came to an end last year, it was tough. It, I mean, it was a hard pill to swallow. I wasn't expecting to lose by the margin I did, and uh, that was pretty upsetting for me. Yeah. But it was also frustrating because I wanted to make sure we kept, like, nose to the grind. Because even though the country got that blue wave, we got crushed by a red tsunami in South Carolina in 2022. Oh, yeah. So it it was hard. We lost big time. Long held Democrat seats in the state house were taken by Republicans, and uh, the only real victory we could tout of a new seat was Heather Bauer. Yeah, out of Columbia, and uh, she's like the Harry Potter of state house candidates. She's the child that lived. Yeah, and uh, it's just it was so difficult. And I was also dealing with some health issues, so I said, you know, maybe I don't need to run again, and you know. I, I felt like maybe somebody else should step up, yeah. and uh, I just stayed busy. I, I kept doing things, um, going through motions, um, getting my health in order. I had some neck problems I had to get attended to, and uh, eventually word got around that Ray Felder was going to retire, Yeah, and I said, well, if she retires, that'll change things. Well, then word got around that this woman, Elizabeth Inns, a Republican who ran against Brandon Guffey in the SC 46 primary moved to Fort Mill. Okay. Okay. So Elizabeth Inns is a Ralph Norman endorsed MAGA Republican type. Great. Who moved to Fort Mill to run for SC 26. Okay. You couple that with the rumor that Ray's retiring and I felt like I better start preparing to run for office again. Yeah. Nobody was kind of like raising a flag or, you know, sending up the bat signal, if you were, to say, hey, I'm interested. I'm putting in the work now because running for office against 
local Fort Millians or somebody who's held office for 10 years, there's a huge popularity contest to that. Right. And you need to be out and about in town. You got to make yourself available and kind of make yourself a person of the people. And there's some like almost high school popularity contest to it. But it is the nature of the beast. And that I wasn't seeing that. Yeah. So that was, you know, kind of, you know, I began discussions with my family and my wife and she was, you know, okay, you can run, but you need help this time. You you need to get some people to come work for you, pay them if you have to, but don't do this on your own again. You can't do it. You need the help. I, I don't want to, I can't be that for you. You need some folks to help you. So I was able to get that taken care of, which we can get to. And um, <laughs> You can go ahead and tell them. <laughs> <laughs> so I was able to get Barrett to come on board and help me with the campaign. We have announced that on social media, so it's official. <laughs> and uh, I'll be announcing on social media soon, but Austin Jackson is also going to be on the campaign team. Yep. He'll be participating in a more limited basis until June. And after the primaries in June, he'll be fully engaged with the campaign and contributing in a larger way. Austin is a former president of the Young Democrats of South Carolina, uh, he basically aged out of the role. He's oh, about to turn okay. 34. And uh, great young man, very driven. He's worked on several, several presidential, uh, state senate, congressional, all sorts of campaigns. Wealth of experience this young man has. Yeah. And uh, he brings that youthful energy. I know he doesn't see himself as being that young in his early 30s. But I am 50. <laughs> So I was like, bro, you are young. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm very excited to, to be a part of it, too, because uh, I think I, ultimately that's what I saw in a lot of the Democratic campaigns, that, that it was it was just you. It wasn't you didn't there wasn't a staff really available. And, and whether it's whether it's, uh, you know, paid or not paid, that doesn't make any difference. I think that the experience of, of getting. Uh, a candidate from candidate to nominee to elected is is going to be, especially with you, you make it easy, to be honest with you, because uh, you are so available, uh, you know, outside of outside of work hours and things like that. Yep. But even 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 with that, uh, I know that I can get a hold of you almost any point. Uh, and if not, then you'll get back in touch with me. And I know that as a state representative, that that is something that you will be available to your constituents uh, and that you will answer to them, that there will be transparency in your in, in your office. Absolutely. I'll be I'm willing to make what I'd like to call the Kimmler commitment. <laughs> yeah, I will put yeah. out a monthly newsletter that isn't bogged down with political news speak, if you were. Yeah, it, not a lot of partisan mumbo jumbo giving you the facts, telling you what's coming up, what I'm going to support or not support legislation that I'll be sponsoring or maybe even authoring. And sharing these facts with people on a monthly basis, I will make myself available in you know at least quarterly in-person meetings with my constituents, um, maintain office hours, all that stuff. I, constituent service is a bigger part of being a public servant than showing up in Columbia for seventy days. Right. So you know, and I'll give you an example, an uncommon example from a Democrat. My daughter is playing with her band in London for New Year's Eve, and we needed to get her passport renewed because she had her original when she was a minor, and now she's an adult, and she needs a new one. Right. So it's taken a long time to get passports now. 
I ran into Ralph Norman in Reagan Airport and talked to him and told him what we were going through. And my daughter got that passport in the mail two weeks later. Very cool. So that's constituent service. That's Ralph Norman's, excuse me. Yeah. That's his office's job to handle that. And he handled it. Yeah. He knew who I was. Yeah. He could have done a myriad of things. Sure. I assume. But he took care of it. And that, to me, is what's what they do more of. See, and that's different from what I deal with with Joe Wilson is <laughs> uh, I, I that guy. I, yeah. Joe Wilson is not a Ralph Norman. That no. Is, and 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 from and not to endorse or give any sort of endorsement to Nancy Mace, but uh uh Joe Wilson is also not Nancy Mace. Uh despite her despite her her policies and tendencies, uh I at least from the people that I have spoken to that have had interactions with her, uh, that she does do the things. It for the most part, it seems as though she does those things in Congress for the for the people that she represents. Uh, Joe Wilson doesn't. So uh, that's that's that, and again, that's my personal experience based on the fact that I live in a Joe Wilson district, Oof. and. Uh, and I suffer, and, and 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 we all suffer from that uh, because you know <laughs> he gets to vote in Congress. My goodness. So uh, let's assuming assuming you take office, what are going to be your top priorities legislatively? So that hasn't been set in stone yet. Sure. I, I'm 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 in the process of getting some town halls set up and doing some meetings with people so I can hear. I want to. That's what I really loved about running in 22. 2022 was I was out there knocking doors like crazy. I mean, thou, literally thousands of doors I personally knocked. That was only a year ago. Yeah, it was only a year ago. It feels like forever ago. It does. And uh, but yeah, 2022 I knocked them doors, and people love that, and they share with you so much, and it really helped ref- me define and refine my platform. Even then, I I kind of pivoted on one or two things, but now I get a nice early start. More than likely, there won't be a Democrat primary. Yeah. And I'm just going to watch these two Republican candidates who have declared tear each other apart for months. And I'm going to just build and do town halls and, you know, get that platform locked in. But without question, I know I don't need to go do town halls. One issue for sure is public education, supporting public education, being a defender of it. And listen, I don't want to be the kind of Democrat politician that promises something I can't deliver on. I am going to be able to go to Columbia and work with Republicans who do not support this Moms for Liberty way of running our schools. And they are they do and they exist. exist. Yeah. But you're going to need to go make and build relationships with them. And I know that's one of those things that makes me special is I can go make those relationships with them. I don't alienate people with the things I say. I don't try to drive people away from me with sharp, nasty-tongued rhetoric. I'm, if you're going to be affected, you have to go and work with the Republicans as a Democrat minority in the state. It is a fact. So I'm going to go and work and build those relationships and build those coalitions. And we're going to put it in that it's like over the top parental rights nonsense. There's always been parental rights in our public schools. This is not new. This is not something that has been lacking. They are public education centers funded by the taxpayers that any parent can go participate at any level they want to. Right. And none of that has ever been taken from them. Yeah. It's important to note that even, you know, when we were kids in school, there were parent-teacher organizations that were attached to 
every single school, every single public school. And that was always something that a parent could choose to be a part of where the decisions about those sorts of things were being made. I think one of the things that I get the most irritated about is how there is this overreach by school boards in 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 how people think the school board is supposed to operate or what it is they're supposed to. Your school board is is merely deciding how to spend the money. Thank you. It is, I was about to say that. It's their job to determine how those impact fees are spent right. and when they're going to build those new schools. Right. That and is it. Now they've got them like – it's weird. I mean – there's no – I try to explain to people there's no real power in being in the South Carolina State House. If you're doing it for power, something's wrong with right. you. There's a great opportunity to get out there and help people and do some good for a lot of people and make the world a better place for the future generations. And f- that's what it is for me. Any sort of notion that people would have of like there's power waiting there for somebody or they're chasing somebody's actually trying to chase power, I mean that it shows just a sort of level of naivety that's like staggering. Yeah, I I, I will admit like the guy that represents my district at the house, uh, he seems to be attaining power. Uh, R.J. May, R. J. Has, May yeah. has found a an avenue that is uh, continuing to bring him in more and more campaign money for a district that he doesn't campaign for. Uh, he, he campaigned initially. Uh, he, 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 did, he did campaign uh, when he ran in 2020. Uh, but now it's just, it, it's, it's, you know, I, I would like to see a Democrat in this district with the uh, personality and uh, the ability to, uh, I guess, provoke R.J. May into having to campaign against him. Uh, I haven't seen that yet, and it's not me. And that <laughs> that's a good segue. So I think there was always a lot of hope for Matt to be able to do that with Ray Felder in yeah. 2022, sort of provoke her into a debate, provoke her into things. Her hearing aids weren't on either. And uh, it was very frustrating, yeah, because yeah. she just – and again, she's in the catbird seat, so she can ignore me. She yeah. can be like, why am I going to debate him? He's not even going to yeah. – he might get 40% of the vote. And yeah. uh, I get it, but it's – I know this – I know 24 is going to see debates. Yeah. I know it's going to see a lot more activity, a lot more involvement, but it's also going to see a sharply more partisan tone of things. I think so. And that'll make it tough, but I I, I – I, Cannot wait to see how this Republican primary turns out. I'm just yeah. going to say that. I'm not pulling or hoping for either one of those two, but and I'm not going to say anything about either one of them, but I know that those two are going to duke it out in that primary yeah. for sure. Do you know Do you know those two individuals? Yeah, so uh, Elizabeth Inns is running. She's the MAGA Republican I was talking about. The yeah. carpet bagged from Rock Hill to Fort Mill okay. to run for t- office. And... Uh, so here, here's and and just to understand, essentially, in order to uh, be a candidate for a district, you have to live in that district, and you for like ninety days, you have That's to it. have established residency for ninety days. But you have to have had to you have to live in that district. Yep, and within the boundaries of the district. What I I guess I I have a hard time understanding individuals that would find moving into a di- into a district as the opportunity 
to get themselves elected. Why is why why is why not saying Elizabeth Inns specifically, but just that mentality because I you know I, I I'm I'm middle class. Yes, I'm, I'm lower to middle middle class. Uh, it's a household of five. We have one income. And, uh, and, and we do well enough and, and in our neighborhood, we're probably in the top, you know, of that, of that economic, uh, uh, band, but I can't imagine even knowing someone that would be willing to say that seat's going to open. So I'm going to, I'm going to uproot my family and move them 16 miles that direction just to take just to take advantage of a seat being open. So I don't want to get too like Charlie Day from the meme sure. on you, but yeah, yeah. there's a there's a thread. <laughs> the yeah, I was gonna say the thread with the there, pendants yep, in there. There's the, a thread. Yeah. So Ralph Norman is the thread in okay. this other man, uh Dennis Getter. Okay. So the, the Ralph, we all know who Ralph is. He yep. is our congressman for Congressional District Five here in yep. South Carolina. And Dennis Getter is a very wealthy Republican donor that lives in Fort Mill. Okay. Millionaire. So he's probably personally funded Moms for Liberty within York County. Um, he donates to all the Republican candidates that run, whether they're MAGA or not. Yeah. Um, and he donates generously to them. Um, he, when they, so recently in York County, we had a big kerfuffle where the county council got involved in library books. Okay. And, uh, there was some banning and, uh, there was some, uh, accusations saying that all my constituents are telling me something, even though no evidence of this communication from the constituents was ever produced. Sure. Um, so they basically were able to make it so that now the county council appoints the library board. And they immediately removed three people from the library board and put Dennis Getter on the library board. Now, I don't know what Mr. Getter's qualifications are to be on the library board. He read a book once. Um, that's what I would assume. It was probably the Bible. Um, I could be wrong. I, I, don't, I haven't really had a chance to get to know him very well. I've never seen him in an event I've been at. And I go to events that he would be at. Yeah. So I run in those circles in Fort Mill, but... I would talk to him if I ever met him. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he would probably welcome that conversation with me at this point. But, uh, yeah, I mean, so those two have done so much in York County. Um, whenever there's an election night party, it's hosted by Ralph Norman um, at probably a Norman property. And all the Republican winners go. Yeah. And all us Democrats are, you know, probably sitting home crying <laughs> by ourselves. <laughs> I but mean, it, it, it's the truth, though. And I yeah. mean, hyperbole aside and all the jokes aside. So Ralph, Ralph has been able to do this, and he's been very crafty. He supports Ray. He held that uh, state house seat before Ray Felder took it, and it became SC-26 and the diversion you see today. Yeah. Um, Ralph made sure that we got these Moms for Liberty school board people front and center and was able to get one of them in the uh, Fort Mill School District and three in the Rock Hill School District. Wow. Um, you know, he supported this Elizabeth Inns woman who lost to Brandon Guffey, but when Brandon Guffey won, he was at Ralph Norman's election night party. Okay. Um, so, you know, all, they all kissed the ring, and he's kind of the power broker. Yeah. He's the kingmaker. And, you know, it, it's frustrating, I know... Because sometimes Democrats get caught up in things they shouldn't be. Sure. And um, they should be more focused on the real threat Ralph Norman poses, I, in my estimation, 
instead of like snarky memes and you know making fun of him treating him like he's stupid because he's out playing us and he's out maneuvering us in york county yeah yeah well and and again south carolina they they benefit from the fact that every two years it's either a governor race or it's either a presidential race and there are too many people out there voting that are specifically just pulling that party line and and that's one of the reasons the republicans were desperate uh last year to try and get the school board vote to become partisan to be able to register as a Republican or a Democrat uh, was was on the ticket, at least here in, in Columbia, I believe, it was, or in Lexington. It was, I assume, it was statewide. Uh, but this idea that you would you would be able to pull the Republican ticket and then vote for only Republicans for school boards all around the state, uh, which school boards should be a nonpartisan. It should be, absolutely. Um, there's always nonpartisan. Treasurer should be nonpartisan. Uh, you know, anyway, so, uh, but one of the things you mentioned about education, uh, it was, uh, teacher retention. Yes. Um, as, as a representative, what are some of the things that South Carolina could be doing better for teacher retention? So besides, besides just funding. Yep. So I live in Fort Mill where our schools are great. We're not really feeling that crunch that yeah. the rest of the state is but i have a responsibility of to the citizens of south carolina as a state representative yeah. and the state is hurting and it, it is more than a money problem it, there's so many obstacles and there's so much of this antagonistic relationship with teachers and administration and governance and lawmakers and that is something that must change and one of the ways we can help do that is by removing obstacles to teachers unionizing in this sure, state sure. Um, and allowing teachers to unionize. It, we, we move from Florida to South Carolina. We, my wife is a 21-year teaching veteran, public yeah. school teacher, uh, taught in Tampa, Florida, Hillsborough County, ninth largest school district in America. Um, really, really dedicated teacher. We move here, and she takes a massive pay cut. Wow. Um, teachers only get three days in Fort Mill, only get three days off a, a year. Um, they don't accrue, they accrue sick leave, but they don't recruit any other leave. Um, it's just weird. They, they don't get a lunch break. They do lunch duty. Wow. Yeah. Um, I remember, you know, to her credit, Ray Felder got a bill passed that got the elementary school teachers some free time to themselves so that they can go to the bathroom even, um, so unions, when people can have one super important skill set and can collectively bargain, it makes life better for them. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what teachers in this state need, ultimately. The SCEA and the PSTA, um, both excellent organizations that do a lot to represent teachers and provide a voice for teachers and sort of a legislative um, way to make change for teachers – but they're not unions. Yeah. Um, they don't have the. They, they don't, don't have, have the ability that. to bargain and right. and bring people to the table and hold people accountable. And you know, for lack of a better term, sometimes you got to put somebody over a barrel to negotiate better. Yeah. And it, it's just not happening like that here. So the teachers are kind of like, you know, being mistreated for lack. No, you're absolutely right. It's it is. Uh... Even even South Carolina having some of the benefits of having a program that will pay off 
teachers loans, student loans and things like that. If they, if they guarantee, you know, that they'll teach for whatever, five, five years, 10 years, whatever it is. My wife just got her loans paid off for that's, that. That's fantastic. Uh, but it should, you know, in, in my mind, because the cost of education at a state level is pennies. It doesn't. It doesn't cost the state of South Carolina to have to have to to be able to retain those teachers over the course of ten to fifteen years, or or longer. I've got I've got a friend who taught for forty three years, didn't retire until about five years ago, and or five five ten years ago. And like when she retired, it was after forty three years of teaching, and all she got at the end of it was a state retirement that really doesn't pay pay for everything you need yep um but there aren't teachers that are sticking around for that long anymore because there's almost no benefit to it how is it going to help these teachers and 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 then they're not getting the support they need from uh the school board from from and, and in some cases you've got principals that are being hired for these te- these these schools that are of that same and i don't want to use the word maga but of that liver that uh, that moms for liberty group Bless you. Woo! Bless you. Um, but but you have principals that are that are filling these principal roles. You have these individuals filling these principal roles that are politicians. Yes, they're they're not they're not of the edu- they're not part of the education system. They're in there to lay the groundwork for what eventually I assume is going to be some sort of a, a Nazi similar takeover of education. So it, it, the disparity between the Carolinas is disturbing. North Carolina is ranked 16 in the nation in public education. South Carolina is ranked 48. Yeah. Thank That's you, ridiculous. Mississippi and Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Truly appreciate it. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, that's disgusting. I mean, we're separated by an imaginary line, but you know, that imaginary line is a time machine that takes you back about 40 years in what, time. Sometimes. What are they doing different in North Carolina that, that South Carolina is not getting? Electing Democrats. Okay, that's fair. All right, that's fair. <laughs> no, uh, you know. There's parody, right? I yeah. mean, you're, there's other voices with real ability to make impactful change. Uh, Heather Bauer's been able to do that and as just that one new voice that we got. Yeah. Um, but... You know, I was at an event a couple weeks ago, the Sprat Issues Conference over in Spartanburg, and uh, Vicki Ringer, who's uh, Planned Parenthood Atlantic, she got up and said, listen, we got to hold all these seats and win some, or we're in big trouble. I mean, that can segue right into another issue I'm sure you'll hear me talking a lot about, and, and that's the assault on women in this state. Yeah. How many women are in the South Carolina Senate? Is it five or six? Katrina Sheely's one of them. She represents me. Yeah, so we have the five that stood up. Right. But I feel like, oh man, you got me on this. Well, one. it's. I mean, that's not. That's you that's okay. Me. But, <laughs> but yeah. So the um, Katrina Sheely and and several of the other ones. There were two Democrats, two Republicans, and one Independent. Yeah, right? Mia. Yeah, um, and and truly felt like. Uh, you know that was they were well. First of all, if there are how many how many how many are in the Senate? Forty one. I can't remember how many are in the South Carolina Senate, but regardless, to only have five women as representation or six women as representation in the Senate in the House, the percentage is smaller, which which seems hard to do when there's when there's more members. But I think the percentage is actually smaller per capita in the House of women representation. 
It's disgusting. I mean, there's a general lack of representation throughout this. State. Sure, of course. Um, even in like uh, we're you were talking about principals and the Fort Mill school district. Or the leadership roles, your principals and things like that, are mostly taken up by men. Yeah. That's a female-dominated industry. It, How does that happen? Absolutely is. In fact, in <laughs> fact... It, it, doesn't, it defies logic sometimes. When, when I was in school in Atlanta, uh, my elementary school was... Uh, principal was a female, uh, Dr. Cantrell, and then her assistant was also a female. So, like, the two, the two administrative leadership roles at that school were both women. Uh, in high school, uh, it was it was an individual, uh, a man who was uh, the principal, but the assistant principal uh, uh, was was also a female. Uh, so you know, I I honestly, even when my kids were in public or my son was in public school, uh, I I want to say I think that it was a it was a male dominant here and even in Columbia. And, and and that it's absurd because there are more women teachers uh, out than there are men teaching. And I, I, I guess I, just, I don't understand how that happens. It, so like for me, uh, you know, you, you want to be aware of the room and you want to be self-aware. But, you know, this the men in this state have failed the women of this state sure. without question. And they continue to do so every day. There are 10 counties in this state where OBGYNs do not practice right disgusting yeah disgusting that is abortion is health care right and people don't like to hear that but oftentimes some folks don't like hearing the truth and that is a fact <clears throat> obgyns are scared of being arrested or litigated or just having their offices burnt down right. in these counties this is a problem i mean <laughs> These are the kind of things I would be also looking to solve. I mean, there's so much in this state that allows this system to continue on like it does. Yeah. The straight ticket voting. Yeah. Uh, the the way year after year after year, legislative session after legislative session, they go after abortion. They never put it on the ballot. Well, and 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 everywhere they put it on the ballot, even in. People you know, have Republican spoken states. in support. Uh, yeah. The people unanimously went out and supported a woman's right to health care. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ohio just recently did it. Kansas. Kansas is Kansas, Kansas. Is deeply red. Deeply. <laughs> uh, so it's it, it it and and I am for a for a party like the Republican Party that spouts that they are for the people and that they they are they are representative of the people. The fact that they won't put something like abortion on the on the ballot, the fact that they won't put uh, legalization and, and decriminalization of marijuana on the ballot. Yep. If 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 they really want to allow for the citizens of the state of South Carolina to have a voice, put it on the ballot. Well, and another way they hold us down is we, we don't allow for citizen initiatives. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Which is again how. How can you say you're a, a, a true conservative Republican if you don't support, you know, we the people, all that nonsense you hear. We the people are pissed off. Rah, 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 rah. Right. Well, we the people need to be able to, like, put things on the ballot that are important to we the people. Yeah. And they have put institutional blocks in place yep. that do not let us do that. Yeah. Uh, so uh, with healthcare in mind. Um, how how do you envision addressing healthcare challenges here in South Carolina? What's because uh, obviously 
some of some of the challenges here in South Carolina. Uh, we have an opioid addiction issue. Yes. Uh, and uh, we we definitely have uh, an issue with, um, well, I mean, obesity is, is, is one of the big ones here in South Carolina. I know because I am one. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm no slender man myself, <laughs> my friend. Um, yeah, I mean, so expanding Medicare and Medicaid is the first way to, I mean, not Medicaid, Medicare is the first way to help. Um as a whole, this country sucks at taking care of people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as you know, it's well documented, and I don't want to get too much into it, but I lost my mother a few months ago after a short but difficult battle with brain cancer. And uh, the, the hoops we had to go through, the obstacles we had to circumvent, it was tough getting her the level of care she needed and access to services. And, you know, again, I know it annoys people, but over in Europe, they don't have these problems. They right. take care of their elderly. It's not a burden for the grieving and surviving family to have to navigate all this. Yeah. My parents made good plans, and even still, it was we had problems. I mean, it was very tough having to navigate that, on top of knowing I'm losing my mom shortly. So it's just... It's not ideal to have to, you know, shepherd your parent to a, a their death while like navigating the healthcare system in yeah. this state in this country. Yeah, I, I think I think that's one of those the, the I want to say it's the monster under the bed is what people the the fact that there is this idea that in places where there is socialized medicine or universal healthcare that there is. Uh, waiting periods for for just seeing a doctor no. or things like that it, no. it doesn't exist it's not it's, it's 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 who uh, it's it's uh i'm trying to think of the word but it's 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 false it's hogwash yeah ho- hogwash <laughs> i was trying to think of the uh i was trying to think of some monster hiding in the bushes or something like that but it, oh it, yeah yeah it doesn't it's exist. the boogeyman in the, the basement right i mean it's they, non-existent the, the modern republican party and I want to be clear on this. <clears throat> Let me clear my throat. The modern Republican Party loves to chase red herrings and yeah, red boogeymen. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. Wokeness? Yeah. I know what they mean, but I mean, seriously, can you like show me a picture of wokeness? Yeah. I... Um, what a bunch of crap that is that they're, you know, again, I, it's back to what I said earlier. They have all the potential in the world to establish real greatness and governance in this state. Yeah. And they drop the ball consistently chasing bullcrap. And, and the craziest thing is in South Carolina, the bar is so set so low. There is so much that could be easily done to benefit everyone. Uh, every time they come up with one of these state budget surpluses, the first thing the Republicans do is they sign a bill to send the money back out and checks to all everybody. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Give it to the teachers. Give yeah. it to, the, you know, a few years ago, we tried to negotiate a raise for the state employees of 8%. Yeah. Ray Felder and uh, I think, I don't want to speculate, but Ray Felder and a couple and two other uh, state house members returned back with a 2% raise rebuttal they finally ended up settling on a three percent raise a three percent raise doesn't even compensate for inflation i have worked at places where i've got i my, my last job i worked at there were several years where i got a three percent raise. oh me too and, and that was it that was the best you could do they're like matt we just don't give these out and i'm like yeah. 
So you want me to kiss your ass because yeah, you gave yeah. me a three percent raise? Yeah, yeah. I, I tried to I tried to tell my boss one time. I said, "Well, just so you know, you're only going to get three percent more productivity out of me over the course of the next year. Don't be disappointed because you told me not to be disappointed. It's, it's absurd. It's frustrating, and you know, I always tell people you gotta if if you want to do it in life, you want to take your career, whatever you're doing, to the next level. There are times when you're just gonna have to eat a shit Sunday, and I don't yeah. know how better to describe totally it. Totally true. And totally uh, if true. you're not willing to do that, enjoy whatever it is you're doing at the level yep. you're doing it. It probably you're not gonna see the sort of growth that y- you would like to see. Right. Um, you might even find yourself topping out. Stagnant. Um, yeah. So, you know. I've eaten a few of those Sundays. I have. I look, yeah, with a smile on my face. I have. I, I've been in the in the private sector for you know twenty twenty four years, something like that. You know, it, and it happens ninety percent of the time. Uh, but the difference between a three percent raise for teachers and a say a five or six or seven percent raise, first of all, again, the state of South Carolina, it's fake money. The, the, they they can work that into the budget and 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 take care of something like that very easily. Uh, you you turn around and so let's say let's say they already had something in the, in the works for state teachers uh, in, in South Carolina where they were going to go ahead and give them seven or eight percent. You come out with a budget surplus. What's the next opportunity? Medical debt. Why not take that state owned? Um, potentially state-owned medical debt that's already in the books against people and start clearing some of that out because you're right off the top, you're going to increase someone's ability to, you take that off their records, they're going to have the ability to buy a a house or buy a vehicle. Uh, They could potentially find a better job where they're doing credit checks on things like that. And and that's that's something you can't just get rid of. so th- that's great, and I've always so I don't think the state runs like lean, and this is the lean Six Sigma part of me. Sure. So, sure, sure. Uh, DHEC is a great example. Yeah. That is a monolith of a state agency oh, that yeah. needs to be cut probably into threes, but definitely into two, um, because it's handling two things that I don't think jibe well together. So we need to remove like the environmental protection agency part of that work. And the mental health part of that work, right. and create two agencies that deal with those issues individually and independently. Um, I, I feel like we need to take a closer look at how we run our government agencies in this state. Um, there's ways to get things done around here. Somebody just needs to be willing to make some changes, and we do need to take a harder look at you know bringing in revenue streams that. We've denied ourselves. We give these sweetheart deals besides marijuana and gambling. <laughs> we d- we give these sweetheart deals to a lot yeah. of these companies to yeah, come in here. Absolutely. And they don't pay their share. They don't pay for the impact of the roads that they're tearing up with yep. these delivery trucks. And they don't pay for r- really a whole lot. And, you know, Clarios down in Florence is a great example. They had a car battery recycling facility yeah they ended up going out of business during covid that site is a super fun site and will never be able to be done with anything again when you recycle car batteries you break open car batteries spewing lead and acid into the entire air and environment in the facility and around it saturating everything in lead and sulfuric acid i know that because i used to go work in that accursed place 
Wow. So when you work in there, you have to wear special clothing and a self-contained breathing apparatus. Um, you have supplied air. It, it's a very lethal, toxic environment. And uh, they got a sweetheart deal to open that business. And yeah, now it's sitting there waiting to be cleaned up. Anything else you wanna you wanna talk about before we move on? As far as uh, candidacy? Oh no, like we can move on to whatever right. else. Here, well, let's. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say, just please. Let's rotate here, here, in just, some decorations. Yeah, just, put, just put in, put that right there. there that'll work. Go. That'll work. So, uh, well, first of all, before we move on, to anything else? Uh, website donations, everything we're working on. Yeah, that. so I, I have myself set up on PayPal and Venmo. Um, go to the website. There, there is info on the website. Um, it is a work in progress, so please don't judge it too harshly. Sure, sure. Uh, Matt M A T T V four the number, the number four. four SC dot com. All right, I'll make it, it rolls off the tongue. Yeah. Matt V four SC. It's nice and short. It doesn't make people spell that monolithic <laughs> last name of mine. So uh, yeah, look at that. Uh, I'll make sure it's also going to be in the show notes, so uh, you can check out show notes. Uh, and you can click. So you're taking donations already for a campaign. Yep, and so I've that... received uh, several hundred dollars in donations oh, over the last several days. Uh, you know, the people of York County are very excited I'm running. Uh, I'm very pleased with the, with the response I've had. People respect me throwing my hat in the ring. And I think, you know, they like knowing that somebody with some experience and who has established a name and reputation in the town is going to go take this fight up because... I worry if we were to have a less experienced Democrat running in this situation. I don't yeah, know if I agree that would be good for this particular instance. Yeah. Um, but uh, in the future, I would like to see somebody step up. We need like more Democrats in York County stepping up and rising to the occasion. They're there. They just need to kind of peek their heads up and say, hey, I'm here. I mean, we've really seen a lot of growth in that area. Uh, we have a group of uh, public education advocates called CAPE, C-A-P-E, Community Advocates for Public Education. And uh, they've done a miraculous job of building numbers and being really great advocates for uh, issues that affect teachers and students and everybody in the public education system, parents. Yeah. And uh, they've been up in Columbia with me on several occasions advocating for student rights and uh, all student rights, too. They're there fighting for the trans kids because... Yeah. They deserve a public education just like every other kid. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so, so I, you know, I'm excited. I am too. Super and, stoked. And honestly, if if I didn't think you were worth the effort, I would not have agreed to come and 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 work for you because I appreciate that, Habibi. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so uh, one of the things uh, that I have really enjoyed doing, and and when when you come on the show, is talking about some of the current events and things like that, which. I haven't gotten to do on some of the latest episodes because it's either been Dungeons and Dragons or it's been or, or local mayors yeah, talking local about mayors. preserving breweries yeah, and whatnot. That, yeah, and, <laughs> and un unfortunately, they can't be super partisan. And I know that it's not something that you want to do. As far I, I'm as I'm not necessarily super partisan, but yeah, exactly. I am a Democrat. And, but, Let me say that again. I am a Democrat, and I'm a proud Democrat and a forward-facing Democrat. I see the girl on the television right there. Uh -huh. uh, that's uh, uh, I've, I've I've tried to get her to come on the podcast with us. Uh, she unfortunately is under the subjectivity of uh, working on a major network. Yeah, on yeah. a network that uh, they won't. It's different. They won't let her. Public we'll, broadcasting. We'll, we'll get her on one day. Uh, so uh, this is uh, this is just some of the recent news headlines that you and I haven't really talked about, but uh, I thought it'd be kind of fun. So Congress voted to expel New York Congressman person George Santos. Yeah, George Santos. 
Uh, 105 GOP lawmakers sided with nearly all of the Democrats to expel. And I know I mentioned Nancy Bass earlier. She's South Carolina's first district out of Charleston. She, she sided to get rid of them? She did not. Neither did Ralph Norman. Yeah, neither one of them did. Um, there is, uh, I, I think, uh, one of the things that I, I kind of uh, would really like for everyone to talk about or to, to at least express their opinion about is this idea that if the House... Uh, if the House comes back with serious charges of crimes that were committed, if they have the evidence that they have found through committees and investigation that that an individual has done things that are against the law, but also ethically against what uh, a representative of the South, a representative of of the nation, uh, political leader, whatever should should be. How do you continue to support someone staying in office like that besides just having to acknowledge that they're doing it because that's a number in their favor? So me, as somebody who's run for office, I have a dog in this fight. Yeah. And I have a strong opinion about this. We, When we allow people like that to continue to serve and we don't, as a group of elected officials, stand up and say no. Yeah. It, it besmirches all of us. It, it leaves shit on everybody's hands. Yeah. And that's my issue with, you know, people like Nancy Mason, Ralph Norman, not voting to expel him. I get you want to, like, be the, like, you kind of want to tow it for the team a little bit. And they don't want to, like, sow discord within the party. But that's not what this is about. I mean, because right. that's the excuses that Ralph Norman gave is he's like, I just didn't think this was good for the Republican Party. And uh, I, I'm like, man, how could you say that? I mean, it's bad for all elected peoples. Yeah. I mean, Republicans, Democrats, Independent, Green Party, Socialists, whatever you got. Yeah. And uh, so he has a contract with the citizens of his district and the people of America. So he failed that contract. Right. And he has been legally found to have committed crimes at this point. There's As well as the ethic. Wait, he, that part hadn't completed, so we're waiting for so, the legal process to complete. Right? He has been indicted. So he has In, been indicted. Indictment to me is because a grand jury had can, to take yep. a look at that evidence and then decide whether or not to move forward with I think with it's beyond charges. a reasonable doubt. Correct. Is a prepon- I've, it, I've that's been, the standard for I've them. Been, I've been on a grand jury before, okay. so, so, so the, basically, in my opinion, a grand jury takes a look at something and issues an indictment of charges. Uh, that to me is indication enough that the state has provided or the federal government has provided enough evidence to support that there there was a crime committed. Well, and if and, they're going to convene a grand jury, they that's like their way of saying, we got to make sure we're going to pin this on yes, this guy. Yes, exactly. Because a lot of times, when they just take it to trial, it's, it's a roll of the dice sometimes. Yeah. Like, you know, maybe <laughs> guilty, maybe not. Yeah. So uh, next is uh, the uh, the the. Republican primary debates that we've have you watched any of I've them? I've watched several of them, not yeah. all. I wish I could remember to watch them, but I think we know this about me and we might as well just <laughs> let me say it. If wrestling's on, <laughs> I'm watching wrestling. <laughs> so if they're on Wednesday from 8 to 10, I'm watching AEW. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> if they're on Monday from 8 to 11, I'm watching Raw. <laughs> well, we we've seen the field has fallen from 13 or 15 or 18 Republicans down to 4 plus what will eventually be the nominee. Uh so 5, I guess. Yeah. Uh 
do whom do you think of those five will actually be? And I know this is this is speculation, but who of those five do you think will actually be on the ballots for the primary? Trump. Yep. Nikki Haley. Okay. Ron DeSantis. Yeah. I feel like those are the those are gonna Full be the stop. three. I don't maybe Chris Christie. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't know that I, I don't know that Chris Christie I don't think there's any point in Chris Christie doing it. I think there is a good point to in, him. I he's clearly got a personal axe to grind. Oh, here, for sure. And I get it. Yeah. And uh but yeah, I mean, I don't think Ronnie D's going anywhere. I think I, I think Chris Christie was in the room when crimes were being committed. Yes. And he is so mad at Trump. For involve or potentially involving him. Well, and I think the guilt he must feel oh, as yeah. like a former wasn't he like a state attorney governor. or attorney general? He was, but a, he was, he was attorney general and governor. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, the guy's an officer of the court. It's yeah. got to like chap his ass that he potentially broke laws or yeah. definitely broke laws. Um, Kevin McCarthy recently announced that he will be leaving his office as late as 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 late as the end of this month. Uh, he did come out and say that he would be happy to serve, or well, he would he would consider serving, which is basically saying, "Please, dear God, Trump, uh, please put me in." But he he did indicate uh, a couple days ago that he would be willing to, or he would consider serving on Trump's cabinet. Which, by the way, Trump's cabinet. So the reason that a president has a cabinet is that he has individuals that have the experience and the intelligence to provide feedback to the president on decisions, whether it has something to do with infrastructure or health or uh, military, uh, you know, things. I mean, basically anything involving the structure yep. of the United States. And they tend to be check valves, too. Yeah, and absolutely. They, they, like, help, like, keep things in line. But, I mean, I mean, ugh. I don't like talking a whole lot about Trump because I don't want to like fall into the like petty name collie like immature side of it. But let's have a serious discussion here, yeah. if you will. So like his cabinet, you know, this is no jokes, was a circus clown show. Absolutely. I mean, it was a bunch of. I mean, my how the mighty have fallen. Yeah. Rudy Giuliani was the mayor, America's mayor during nine eleven. Yeah. I mean, and now look at him. Look at, I mean, it's just a nonstop menagerie, um, and I'm sure, I mean, uh, folks, everybody listening, Donald Trump is probably going to be on the ballot yeah. <laughs> for a Republican presidential candidate, yeah. and he could seriously win this election again. I don't want... Well, that's why I prefaced watching it. Watching as... the heartbreak I saw when Trump won the first time, when I told people, yeah. I think he's winning... You know, nobody, people laugh me off and I just, you know, the right, they weren't seeing the things that I was seeing and the way I was seeing it. They were, they were too emotionally invested and, uh, the Democrats have got to, you know, once Biden wraps up his term and his last term in office, which I think he can win, um, he's got my vote, but once he wraps it up, I mean, they, the Democrats got to sort out presidential candidates. Well, and I think I think find somebody under seventy. I I, I think that uh, I think Gavin Newsom is is coming out as a as not that I'm not that I'm fully backing Gavin Newsom. I like but, Ga Governor yeah, Newsom. I, yeah, and he ha he has it all right. He has the look. Yeah, and uh, he's a very good talker. He's got the experience. He's got the the resume. He's done things yeah. for and in California, but um. 
that's, you know, it isn't an ageism thing. People who are experienced and have accumulated all this generational knowledge and wisdom are very useful in governance. I just, I feel like it's time to move away from the model of septuagenarians and octogenarians sure, sure. being our chief executive. Sure. I, I think that, I think that of what we had available in 2020, I think Biden was the Democratic nominee we needed. Yes. Uh, did I support Bernie Sanders? Wholeheartedly. I supported Mayor P- Buttigieg. Yeah, yeah. Um, my son's a Bernie bro. My 21-year-old son loved Bernie. Yeah. Still has a Bernie sticker on his 2004 Corolla. I, my my Bernie magnet's back there on my board. But, um, and board I like board. Cory Booker a lot. I'd li- I, I hope he, he's able to like rise to the occasion as time moves on. But I, we're kind of like waiting for time to move on in the Democrat Party somewhat. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I do, we have like some great leaders in this party, people who have established a name, have established credibility and shown an ability to actually lead. Yeah. Um, you know, like Cory Booker, Pete Buttigieg, yeah. um, Gavin Newsom. Um, I think Kamala Harris easily can Kamala be a- Harris, for sure. I don't understand people's dislike of her. I, um, is it the strong woman thing? I it's, mean, it's not. It... It's not legitimate. It is. I think that it has more to do with their own fear of. So the idea of her running for president and becoming the nominee to say let's run against somebody like Donald Trump again or that type of that type of Republican candidate. I think that a lot of people have a fear that a woman, uh, despite the fact that Kamala Harris was, you know. Uh, uh, the um, district. What was uh, what was her? She was the AG, right? She was attorney. Yeah, general. she was attorney general for the state I mean, of California. And 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 she, she put was criminals in jail. Yeah, she was she she was harder on crime for South Car- for for California than than almost anyone before her. Yes, and and it wasn't because she was unfairly just. It was because it was. There was a sense of cut or dry. This is a crime. The jur- you know, you've been found guilty of this crime. You're going to do the time. But there was also uh, recognition in uh, some of the drug crimes in California, where where weed is now legal. Yep. Uh, you know, that was there was leniency on things like that, despite the fact that there are federal laws uh, in, in places. So she was she was a fair but just attorney general and i think that kamala harris has the potential to be a a a more profound leader in the democratic party uh does that mean that she has to play the role of uh, of a secretary at some point or something like that i don't i don't know um you know but i i i see i think i see and i know the polls don't indicate it currently but i think that i see that there are there is an upswell in Voter registration over the course of the last six months. Thank you very much, Taylor Swift. Yes, uh, <laughs> and and I think that I, I think that Taylor Swift is using her uh, powers for good. Yes, uh, and and I think that there is, and so I'll just say that if you're if you are in any way upset or potentially concerned about the polls that you're seeing, understand this, pollsters. Don't poll people unless they voted in a primary. You do not; they do not have access to individuals who have never voted in a in a in a primary. So, 
that has a lot of these voter registrations. There's been 600,000 new voters registered over the course of the last six months. Those people have not been tapped. So that doesn't mean that we should that we should potentially feel like we're safe. I think what that indicates is that we need to work harder to get more. Yeah, and I mean, listen, the poll numbers should excite people, not scare them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so inspire. Yep, Trump doesn't have the energy to sustain what he's. You know, again, the more he talks, the more he does his Trump stuff, the more he's going to hurt himself. He's got a big stain on him now. Yeah. I just don't feel like in the long run he's going to be able to beat Joe Biden. I don't think so either. And and I'm also going to say this, and I know that this is a prognostication of, of an event that may not happen before the election, but he's going to be found guilty in Georgia. It oh, is yeah. It is absolutely I, – I, 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 Especially with every every time a new uh, plain, uh, a new defendant in that case turns evidence against him because they're looking for a plea deal, he's going to be found guilty. Which means the potential is if it does happen before the election, he doesn't get to be on the ballot in Georgia, and he needs Georgia as a win. He yes. can't get to two seventy without big a Georgia. State. So it's too big a state. I, I I I and and ultimately, I don't care that Biden's going to be eighty two when he's potentially elected at the end of next year. You know, Trump's, what, three years younger than yeah, Biden? I mean, we're acting like, you know, let's get that young and Donald Trump in there, you know, vibrant, 78. That, that vibrant 290-pound, <laughs> whatever. Uh, okay, so the last thing I wanted to ask you about, uh, being a Tampa Rays fan, <laughs> uh, Tampa Bay Rays are officially staying in St. Petersburg. Yes. Uh, uh, being originally uh, from Tampa, St. Petersburg, what's your take on that? Uh, you know, I was hoping they would move the team to Tampa. Um, as somebody that's traveled the world and America as much as I have, I I love the feel and and sort of environment of these stadiums that are like in the city center. Yeah, um, it, it's really awesome. Even going to like a Charlotte's Knights game in downtown Charlotte, uptown Charlotte is awesome. Yeah. Um, but where the Rays play now, it's far. It's St. Pete is not Tampa. Yeah. Um, a lot of people come from Tampa to the game, and they, you have like a choice of two bridges yeah. <laughs> that you have to drive over to get over there if you're coming from Tampa. Um, the traffic is bad heading out there. The games usually start right at rush hour during the week. Yeah. Um, but they're building a new stadium. The Rays yeah. Stadium now was not built for baseball. It was no. built as a multi-use stadium. The seats don't even face home plate. Um, I've been in real baseball stadiums. I know what it should look like. Yeah. It should not look like Tropicana Field. So, uh, he, he, But Tropicana Field holds a special place in my heart. Oh, I okay. saw Guns N' Roses there in <laughs> 1992 uh, with Soundgarden as the opener. Uh, I don't believe Axel came out on stage till somewhere around 1130 midnight. <laughs> <laughs> that, so that I, I've seen Guns N' Roses, and and uh, yes, Axel uh, typically does not show up until about quarter way through the set. Soundgarden yeah. crushed it, and then oh, we yeah. had like two hours, two and a half hours, and nothing. So you mentioned the new stadium; it will still be considered the small. Even the new one will be considered the smallest stadium in all of Major League Baseball because it's only going to have thirty-five thousand seats. It's an increase of ten thousand seats, which, by the way, uh, Tampa Bay had an extremely difficult time getting people to fill those seats, even even on the run through the playoffs. And I think yep. that had an effect on their run in the playoffs. The, the most attended Rays games are 
Boston, New York, Atlanta, um, Toronto. <laughs> um, yeah, because all these well, those snowbird fans, cities. Yeah, they, they, these fans travel yeah. very well. Uh, so, uh, but I've seen a rendering of the new stadium, and I think it looks amazing. It does, and I look forward to you know. People aren't coming, so why are we going to build a 70,000-seat stadium? It yeah. doesn't make any sense. No, no, agree. Um, Raymond James Stadium, where the Buccaneers play, I seats almost 80,000. Yeah. They fill that thing, even now with Baker Mayfield as quarterback. So, Go Falcons. Whatever, shitbirds. <laughs> so so we're, we're recording this. We're recording this on uh, December 9th. Bucks and Falcons uh, are playing on yeah, Sunday. Falcons Falcons are uh, Falcons are going to Tampa tomorrow to uh, to uh, win yet another SEC or another uh, uh, <laughs> NFC South game uh, this year. Let him bake. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, honestly, uh, it was a pleasure having you here. Thank yeah, you man. for thank you for coming to the uh, big media studio. Yeah, I love you, brother. Thank uh, you for having me again. And uh, and I look one forward... day we got to get Kimler and I in the room. I know, I know. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna make that happen because uh, that I mean I think honestly what I'll do is I'll just I'll just open the show and then let the two of you go at it for <laughs> not go at it but but it, just it, do our I thing. think I think it would be a fantastic conversation. And I look forward to seeing candidates on here. I know you got some coming up in the future. I'm excited about that. And we got an election year coming up. All the state house seats are up again. I'll I'll we'll go ahead. bring them all in here, man. I'll, I'll go ahead and put it out there, Emily Mayer, because uh, I know she's listening. Yeah, uh, I'm going to be going down to Bluffton in uh, in in January to go sit down with her, uh, which is very exciting because I didn't know anything about her until about a year and a half ago, and I started following her on Twitter. And she is uh, she's running for uh, Bluffton City Town Council. Yep. Uh, and that special election is te- taking place in February. Mm-hmm. So if you if you if you live in Bluffton, and I know people in Bluffton live there, or listen to this because I, I see the numbers as far as like where where the where the people are listening from, and we we've got we've got fifteen or twenty listeners in Bluffton, and uh, I, I I support Emily. Emily is a young uh, professional. Uh, was a teacher for a number of years, and she has a vision that is is going to. Uh, I get Bluffton's on the map, but but she's she's gonna she's gonna put Bluffton on the map. Emily's a very good friend of mine, and uh, I could not be more excited about another human being achieving things in life than Emily. I can't wait till um, she's governor. She is such a fantastic person. And, um, man, her parents have got to be so proud of her. I just, I can't say enough good things about her. She really impresses me, and uh, she was always super supportive of me, uh, whether I'm running for office or doing other things in life. She's always, like, been, like, a real ready, steady supporter. And uh, love that young lady. I'm glad you're going to get to go do that. Very excited. So. Matt Villardo, thank you very much for being with me. Uh, I yes, can't, sir. I can't wait to start. I can't wait to start uh, working all of that. Uh, if you want to uh, check it out or make any donations, you can head over to mattv4csc.com. Uh, again, that's mattv the number four sc.com, uh, where he's uh, taking donations, and also we're going to have all your uh, your your platform and, and everything out there, so people can read through that and. And, and know exactly what it is uh, that uh, that you're there for. And, of course, I, I guess uh, communication through uh, any of the social medias. Yep, I'm on Facebook. Uh, just search Matt Villardebo. You'll find me. Yep. So, there it is. Um, I, I, I'm, I've been on hiatus from X or Twitter or whatever we're calling it. 
Um, and I, I, I tried I, threads. Uh, that didn't last. Yeah. So Instagram and Facebook right now, I might venture back onto Twitter. Who knows? I, I, I have to call it Twitter still because literally I go to Twitter.com to get to it. And it didn't occur to me. When, when he changed the name to X, it, 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 it completely bypassed me, of course, that SpaceX. Like, like, and mostly because I know what happened. It was a Tuesday night, and he was mad about something. And he was like, he called his program and was like, change it all to X. Change it to X. And because that's the mentality that this Elon Musk has yeah. is that, that he's this super rich guy that can just say, do this, and then it happens. And there's no... There's no reason for it. There's no... Well, and he's, like, successfully, like, turned himself into something he's not. Like, oh. he did not invent those Tesla cars. No. He, he's, like, a, a, a he didn't create... corporate raider of sorts that, yeah. like, came in and is an investor and was able to muscle out the actual inventors of the car. He didn't create SpaceX. Um, yeah, SpaceX existed He didn't design those Musk. rockets. Yeah, uh, exactly. He's not a scientist. Ugh. <laughs> oh fundamentally just uh it's like when people call joe rogan a prophet or a philosopher oh lord game show host i hope that yeah yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. and and i'll admit i think joe rogan's been fairly entertaining lately and uh, he's not he's i'm not knocking his entertainment capacity but it's just you know sometimes people get you know a little ahead of things way too way too invested all right that's gonna do it for this episode this is number 186 Yeah. yeah yeah 186 uh so uh, thank you, Matt, for getting being here. Uh, also, uh, links to all of our past episodes, podcast platforms, merchandise, and social media are available on our website, theallaboutnothing.com. And if you think our financial model of giving away free content and entertainment is silly, and you're in the giving mood, why not become an official nothinger to support the show? Visit theallaboutnothing.com and click on the support link near the top of the page. You can subscribe monthly at a varying level of memberships. They give you access to uh, early access as well as uh, exclusive content that's out there. Uh, so uh, do that. Visit theallaboutnothing.com. If you'd like to join the conversation, you can join our Discord channel and click on the banner at the top of the web page please subscribe and share the show like us and follow us on facebook twitter uh threads all the stuff that we talked about a minute ago <laughs> it's all it's all out there and available thank you all very much for listening you all stay safe and have a great week peace y'all the all about nothing podcast is produced and engineered by me barrett gruber thanks to cake for our intro music sick of you you can follow everything cake the band at cakemusic.com thanks to muff the producer for our outro music you can follow muff on instagram at muff the producer i am barrett gruber you can follow me on instagram and Twitter at Barrett Gruber or visit my link tree slash Barrett Gruber. Want to support the show? Visit our webpage, theallaboutnothing.com and become a member. There are several tiers available, including memberships that give you early access to episodes as well as exclusive content. Visit theallaboutnothing.com. To find links to our social media, merchandise, and past episodes, visit theallaboutnothing.com. If you'd like to be heard on the show, you can call and leave us a message. Dial 803-672-0533. If the time between these episodes is more than you can handle, check out our partner podcast. Zach and I host What the Pod Was That with Carrie Simmons. Visit whatthepodwasthat.com for links and details. Ami takes a deep dive down the rabbit hole in episodes of Welcome to Wonderland. Available on all the podcast platforms. Visit wtwlpod.com for details. As well, you can listen to the political and social conversation between Dr. Jamella Brooks and Bill Kimmler on Black, White, and Blue in the South. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Please subscribe and share this show. If you're on YouTube, please like and hit the notification bell. Thank you for listening. The preceding podcast is a product of Big Media and copyright 2023, all rights reserved. The All About Nothing podcast is a part of the GOT Podcast Network and a product of Barrett Gruber Entertainment and Media.